0: Imagine that you are a young boy growing up in the Tuscan hills of Italy on your family farm. Like many boys, you love to play soccer, but on one fateful day, as you play goaltender, you are hit in the head with a soccer ball. Your brain starts to hemorrhage, and as the swelling increases, you lose your eyesight. Doctors try in vain to save your sight, even resorting to leeches, but it's all to no avail. At the age of 12, all of the visual beauty of those Tuscan hills, the faces of your family and friends, are gone forever. What would you do? Such was the fate of Andrea Bocelli. His loss of sight at that young age intensified his passion for music and singing. He would go on over the next 50 years to become one of the greatest Italian singers of all time, selling more than 90 million records worldwide. Of Bocelli, Celine Dion once said, If God would have a singing voice, he must sound a lot like Andrea Bocelli. While Bocelli's story is inspiring, it's not unique. Many people have lost one or more of their senses. According to neuroscience, when you lose a sense, the spaces in the brain normally reserved for that stimulus begin to shrink over time as the other sensory areas of the brain expand out of their usual area and into the area of the missing sense. Or put another way, if you lose your sight, your brain expands the neural pathways for your other senses while decreasing the space it once used for your eyes. We all have limitations, and usually they are not as severe as losing one of our senses. And it is these limitations that define who we are. Why? Because for every limitation we have, there is a corresponding strength that has been improved. And together, they make us all unique. Just like how our brain adapts to the loss of a sense, so do our personalities and actions adapt to our limitations. And when it comes to the process of thinking, limitations can actually improve our thoughts and help us make better decisions from those ideas. Welcome to The Thinker's Manifesto, a podcast series that will help you think better. I'm your host, Sean Jackson. Episode 4, Limitations are Strengths? If you've ever reported to a manager about a problem you or the organization encountered, you may have heard the following axiom. See if you can fill in the blanks. Don't bring me blank. Bring me blank. You know what the blanks are? Like most, you probably have heard it phrased this way. Don't bring me problems. Bring me solutions. But here's the thing. That's not a smart statement for a manager to make. Why? Because inherent in the statement is the assumption that you, and they, actually know what the problems are. It implicitly assumes that you have fully outlined the problems and developed meaningful solutions to address them. And in environments where this axiom is used, there is a natural tendency to spend more time developing a solution than taking time to fully understand the problem. As thinkers, we need to take a different approach because we know that emotions interfere with our ability to accurately assess situations and often drive our decisions without the benefit of critical or creative thinking. Now, one piece of advice you often hear from business consultants is to ask why whenever you're presented with a problem. Why did it happen? Why is it important? Why do we think it's important? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. As it turns out, this is not new advice. In the 1900s, Sakichi Toyota, the founder of the Toyota family of companies, immortalized the five whys concept of asking why five times to find the source of a problem. His concept still permeates industries today. And while it is an important concept, using the word why is actually perceived as accusatory. Why did you do that? Why is this happening? Why do you think that is important? In fact, Chris Voss, a former FBI hostage negotiator and author of Never Split the Difference, one of my favorite business books, actually strongly encourages you to never use why when negotiating. It just puts people on the defensive. Instead, he recommends structuring questions with the words how and what, as this style of question implies that you are seeking help and guidance from others. So let's expand on this concept. When presented with a problem, start with questions that begin with when, where, what, and how. The order is important. Let me explain. When is used to understand timing. It helps set the order of events leading up to and after when a problem has been encountered. Where is used to understand location. And location is important to understanding the physical context around the problem. What has dual purpose. It is used to measure both understanding and the relative importance of a situation based on the respondent's answers. And finally, how. Questions that begin with how are designed to engage others in postulating theories or potential solutions. So let's use this structure in an example. Let's assume you find out that someone has hacked your computer. Your first reaction may be, why did this happen? Let's change that around. When did this happen? When did you notice it? These questions provide some insight into the timing of events. Maybe you did something around those dates that contributed to the issue. Where is the computer that was affected? Where was the computer the day it occurred? Where were you when you noticed it? These type of questions provide insight into the location of the computer, which may be important. Maybe you noticed the hack when you were at the coffee shop and logged into their Wi-Fi network. What are you seeing as the issue? What is it doing that makes you feel it is hacked? What problems is it causing? These type of what questions are designed to surface how well you, or the person you are asking, understand the scope and importance of the problem. Finally, the how questions. How am I going to fix this? How can I restore my computer? By coming at the end of the process, these how questions benefit from the prior answers given to when, where, and what. So when should you use why? Why questions are best used to test your own thinking and understanding of a problem. In other words, the person you should be asking why is yourself. So how does this series of questions make us better thinkers? Their value is from the information they surface. You see, for most problems, there are usually simple and straightforward solutions. The issue is that when we don't fully appreciate or understand the problem, we are inclined to create solutions that are more complex than they need to be. Why? Because we are trying to solve too many problems. Since we don't understand, what the actual problem is to begin with. One of my favorite movies is the 1992 movie Sneakers starring Robert Redford. There's a scene in the movie where he and his team of hackers are trying to discover the location of a black box that can decrypt any password-protected system. In this scene, They watch a video of the person that invented the black box, as he logs into his computer. They hope that by discovering the password he uses for his computer, they can log into it and search his computer files for the location of this mysterious black box. As they realize they cannot discern the password from the video, their blind compatriot by the name of Whistler tells them that the black box they have been looking for is located right next to the computer. And how would a blind man be able to determine that from a video he can't even see? Because he was listening for the results and not looking at the noise of the activity. Most problems we encounter have a lot of noise around them. So asking questions like when, where, what, and how, and even why, can help. But their sole purpose is to aid in the discovery of what the real problem is, not necessarily What the right answer should be it is at this point where our ability to think comes to the rescue and to aid us in that pursuit we need to start a process of elimination refining all the input into a coherent understanding of the core issues from that process we can use existing models or frameworks to define a solution let me explain as you review all the answers you discovered From your when, where, what, and how questions, you'll need to prioritize those responses. Some of the individual responses may seem important now, but after reviewing them in the context of all the other responses, their value may diminish. So how do you go about prioritizing them? Well, it all starts with principles. What are your principles? What is it that you value in your work and in your life? What do you stand for? what do you stand against? What is it that matters to you? Principles are the underlying morality that we use to prioritize everything in our life. And it is through these principles that we prioritize things that are important. Have you ever taken the time to actually write down your principles? For yourself? For your business? For your family? If not, I encourage you to give it a try. The reason is that by taking the time to define your principles, you can better comprehend them and use them when faced with issues or facts that need to be prioritized. Using our principles as our guide, we can then prioritize what is important from what is not. And the output of this prioritization can form the foundation of our future decisions. The final stage of this process is to think of a solution. And if you've done the preceding steps well, then most of the time, the solution will be self-evident if you think about it the right way. On the next episode of Thinker's Manifesto, we build from this concept of limiting and prioritizing problems to discuss the process for deriving solutions through a framework that engages our critical and creative thinking we'll talk about why it helps to write down all your best ideas and then throw them all away Why procrastinating makes you a better thinker and how a piece of lost luggage led to some of the greatest literature in the 20th century i hope you will tune in thanks for listening to thinkers manifesto To learn more and connect with the show, visit thinkersmanifesto.com. If you have any comments, questions, or thoughts about the show, I invite you to email me directly. My email address is sean at thinkersmanifesto.com. And if you are enjoying the show, please consider providing a rating or review wherever you happen to be listening so others will know what to expect. Thank you.